Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest episode of Locked on Colts, part of Locked on Podcast Network. Today, as always, your host, Evan Setter, and my very special guest on today's show, Kevin Bowen of 1070 The Fan. You guys can find his podcast well over at Kevin's Corner. How are you doing today, Kevin? Doing well, Evan. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no problem. Crazy times, especially for the Colts. I'm glad you're on at this point in the, in the free, agency, free agency period, Kevin. So it's kind of slowed down a little bit here. We had the official announcement of the DeForest Buckner trade yesterday. Imagine we'll get Philip Rivers signing here within the next couple hours. Let's start off with DeForest Buckner first. And it seems that trade came out of the blue, absolute nowhere. I mean, we were all thinking maybe they go after a Chris Jones if he hits the free agent market. Maybe they make a make a smaller trade for a guy. Maybe they go after a Malik Collins, one of those lower tier defense tackles that don't break the bank. But Chris Ballard, in the first three three hours of free agency, Kevin, he makes a splash. He trades a number 13 overall pick for DeForest Buckner, an all-pro defense tackle. And he had a chance to talk to Buckner yesterday on conference call. It seems like this is a perfect fit for all sides here. Yeah, I could, could not agree more with that. Uh, you know, I felt like Chris Ballard had a willingness to spend a little bit more in free agency, but I'd be lying to you if, you know, you're going to tell me he would spend this much and give up, you know, the 13th overall pick. I mean, it's it's moves that we have not seen him really sniff at all in his tenure as general manager. And honestly, when you look at the trade of Buckner or for Buckner, I mean, it's really unlike anything we've seen in the NFL. It's very rare that you see, you know, any team trade a top 15 pick at this time of the offseason, um, you know, for a player, let alone a, a defensive tackle. But clearly, as we know, that's what means so much to Ballard and the one position he really frequently probably talked about the most throughout the offseason of this has got to be better. Um, it was interesting listening to Buckner yesterday on that conference call because, you know, while himself as a player clearly is the most important aspect of this trade and just the impact that he's going to have and the fit into the three technique, you also feel like there is the leadership aspect and the character aspect that does mean so much to Ballard. And even though, you know, throughout this process, it's not like Ballard can get to know Buckner really well. Clearly the Colts have done their homework, know full well the type of prospect. And I, I guess I shouldn't call him a prospect. He's now four years in the league, but just the type of player and the type of person that DeForest Buckner is. Because again, it's all about that message to Chris Ballard that you send to your locker room of, oh my gosh, the 13th overall pick plus, you know, a, a crazy contract. That is a loud message to that locker room, and that's where you know not only does Buckner have to check that from a playing standpoint, but he's also got to check it off the field in his leadership and in his accountability as well. Twenty-one million dollars annually for DeForest Buckner. I believe the structure is it's pretty front-loaded this year, around twenty-three million this year, then it goes down a little bit in 2021, 2022, then goes back up a little bit. But let's talk about for a sec, Kevin, about the splash that Chris Bauer made because we haven't seen this happen before in the first few hours for agency where. He goes out and get to Forrest Buckner, and then you make the sign with Philip Rivers. Chris Ballard, I think, is going for you, Kevin. It seems like they believe it. Judy Batista, who first broke the news of Philip Rivers to the Colts, said that they believe the Colts are going for it. They are pushing the chips in. And with the moves they made with Buckner and Philip Rivers, it sure seems that way. Yeah, it is kind of, you know, something Buckner said last night. This is kind of a, a more of a win now. Um, we're now approach and obviously Philip Rivers is not coming in coming here to be any sort of you know just a mentor and just a bridge to the next quarterback while he is that Philip Rivers wants to win and the one thing that's missing on his resume is obviously playoff success so uh, you're going to get his you know his crazy competitive spirit to the nth degree here in his whatever it is like 15th season starting I believe so in the NFL um 
you know, I, I think we had hinted at this a little bit. I can't remember. I feel like you and I maybe talked in January or February. You know, I kind of mentioned, like, you know, Jim Mercy's involvement and impatient, you know, attitude as an owner, which, you know, that might sound harsh, but it's really how most owners are in sports, and it's almost how you kind of want an owner to be. Now, there's a fine line of, okay, not thinking enough in the long term, but when you look at this deal – it's not like the 2020 offseason outside of the draft was really going to solve the long-term answer at quarterback. Um, you know, trading away for a Stafford or a Carr, though, we don't even know if those guys are realistically on the market. And then obviously the value that it would have taken uh, to get one of those guys. So I think they look at it of try to get the best you can in the short term, and that's here in 2020. And then, obviously, you're still going to have to make that move for the long-term quarterback. And, and that's the biggest question I will have with this offseason. Of, you know, I, I definitely think the Colts are a better football team than they were on Monday. But the still looming question, and in my mind, of how you can achieve maybe the most and longest amount of success in the NFL is with an elite-level quarterback. And obviously having that for whatever, 5, 10, 15 years. And as we sit here right now, that answer isn't any closer to coming and that answer is probably a little bit more difficult with the fact that you don't have that 13th overall pick anymore if you were going to address that uh, here in April's draft. Sticking on Buckner here for a second Kevin because I feel like this defense now I mean Chris Crouch talked about the three technique drives this thing DeForest Buckner sent his conference coach today they believe he's the best three technique in the NFL what kind of impact is Buckner not only on this Colts defense, but guys like Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker, other players on this roster? Because I feel like Chris Bauer thinks if you throw in a guy like Buckner into the mix with this young ascending defense, they could take quite a big leap here in 2020. Yeah, I just think the ripple effect throughout that starting 11 is absolutely huge. I mean, if you start up front, um, there's a lot of options, you know, for new defensive line coach Brian Baker to work with. You know, whether that is you know, kicking Zanico Autry out to end if Jabal Sheard isn't re-signed. Now you have Autry and Houston at ends, which I think gives you more of a presence on the rundowns, Grover Stewart and Buckner being inside. And then you kind of turn it over to the younger guys uh, when you're rotating some of them, you know, in, into the lineup of Taekwon Lewis and Kamoko Turi and Ben, ben Banigou. Obviously, Turi being, I think, the most intriguing of that bunch right now and just his speed presence off the edge on third down. Yeah, I, I can't stress how important that is to this team reaching a higher ceiling. You know, if he can become a, a, a big-time nuisance, you know, for opposing offenses to have to worry about coming off the edge, you know, that is absolutely going to be a vital component to this defense becoming a more consistent unit and become more of a disrupting unit, which I just didn't think, even though the sack numbers at the end of the year didn't look that bad, I just thought that that front lacked some consistent pressure. And when you're going to play a lot of zone, you better get home with four and five. So I think that's where Buckner helps out your defensive line the most, commands attention, obviously disrupts timing from the interior of that rush, which we know full well, especially late in the season, that was a huge issue. Opposing quarterbacks have, you know, really field days against the Colts from a completion percentage standpoint. And you'd like to think six, seven, three hundred in the middle of that will um will, will kind of hinder some of that. Then obviously when you go to the linebackers, you know, there's talk of Bobby Okariki getting on the field more and more. You know, Leonard, Okariki, Anthony Walker, all those guys just just being able to run free a little bit more um than they did last season will be huge. And then, you know, a, as I mentioned from a pass defense standpoint, the byproduct of having Buckner in that middle is, you know, that should help the guys in the secondary, whether it is, you know, 
settling more into zone looks or, you know, being more attacking when, when they do play a little bit of man, those sorts of things. So um, the addition of Buckner, Buckner is just absolutely vital. Um, I mentioned it on my podcast earlier in the week. He, he's got to play at an all pro level though. I, I think that is, that's a high, high standard, but that's the standard that you sent when you traded away a top 15 pick and you gave them the type of contract that you gave them. Um, and I know there are some questions about, okay, you know, how productive can he be when Nick Bosa and D Ford and Eric Armstead aren't around him now in 2018, you know, when Ford wasn't there and they didn't have Bosa yet, he had a really, really good season. Um, so I, I think that is something to kind of point to. And maybe he's just now entering his prime, which obviously is something the Colts are hoping that they can tap into at, at the age of 26. But uh, they need Buckner to be an absolute stud. And um, I think he, he has the tools to potentially be reaching that at this point of his career. Yeah, throw in DeForest Buckner in the mix with the guy Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore as well. It, it, I mentioned this on the show earlier in the week, Kevin, but doesn't it feel like the Colts are kind of entering a new era where, in, in Indianapolis at least, it's always been about offense and scoring. And, of course, bringing in Phil Bruce, we're going to talk about next, definitely accomplished that in the short term. But Chris Ballard's baby has always been the defense. And ever since he walked in the building in 2017, he's wanted to build a monster defense. And it seems like we're entering a new era where Ballard's officially trying to reach his dream of building, building that. And the Colts have never had that before as far as an elite defense goes. No, they have not. And I think it's a great point that you bring up, Evan. Of, you know, first off, when I think of Buckner, I mean, the last time the Colts have had a disruptive defensive tackle, it has been years and years. Maybe an, an Autry Splash or a Booger McFarlane, but, you know, none of those guys, Ellis Johnson, none of them have played at the level of what Buckner has shown in the NFL. Um, so that aspect is just totally different. And then secondly, as you say, you know, Chris Ballard's dream has been really to retool and totally overhaul this defense. I mean, first it was 2017 cutting all those guys north of 30, you know, the Mike Adams of the world. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of who else. Trent Cole was moved on from. I think Arthur Jones might have been moved on from. There are a few others in that offseason that he parted ways with. And then the next year it was, all right, I don't like this, you know, three, four system. I want to play four, three. And I want, I think that's the best thing for this turf and all of that. So then it was an, it was an overhaul of, of the system. Um, and then now what we're seeing is just kind of a shift in personnel and getting younger, um, definitely getting more athletic, getting quicker. You know, those are things um, that have been really, really important, uh, a little bit more versatile as well. Those have, those have been important characteristics for Chris Ballard. And when you look at the defense, I mean, if Clayton Gathers isn't brought back and Sheard isn't brought back, I, I'm – and this off the top of my head, I think Malik Hooker might be the longest tenured defender here in Indianapolis. I mean, you got to go back to that 2017 draft of, you know, Hooker and, and Stewart and Walker and Quincy Wilson and those guys. I mean – I don't think anybody from even that first free agency class in 2017, now that Marcus Hunt has been let go and Jabal Sheard, at least as of us recording this, has been brought back either. So it's just crazy to think. I, I, you'd be, I think, hard-pressed to find many units around the NFL that have had that big of a change in such a short, short amount of time. But it's been priority number one for, for Chris Ballard. He said it, you know, day one of – he looked at that as defense and was like, oh, my gosh, this needs a ton of work. Now, the results haven't really been there. You know, it, it, it's a unit that, that 
you know, maybe showed a flash here or there, but it, it struggled last season. I don't think we should we should overlook that, especially late in the year. And now, you know, Buckner is a guy that I that I, I do think there there's an ability for one player um, to have a huge huge impact uh, for the entire unit. Let's dive in now, Kevin, to the Philip Rivers signing. One year, $25 million. This really isn't surprising. There's been so much smoke around this since the combine, even before the combine. But what was your initial thoughts when you saw it go across the ticker on Tuesday? Because it seemed inevitable at this point, but it's going to cause a huge domino effect in that QB room. Yeah, I was um, – I, I would say the, 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 the almost the best thing for the Colts was when you look at this past week, Anthony Costanzo was signed for multiple years and Philip Rivers is only signed for one year. And I think that is absolutely huge because you have the security at left tackle now for multiple seasons. And so while I still think tackle is a need in the draft, it's nowhere near as pressing as what we maybe thought it was, you know, four days ago or you know, certainly four weeks ago with the potential of Anthony Costanzo possibly retiring. And then you look at the Rivers thing and, well, yes, you've given him a one-year deal and Rivers has an expressed, you know, apparently a, 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 an interest to maybe play another season you haven't tied yourself financially to that. And if this 2019 season we just saw from Rivers, if that is a little bit of the early downfall and it continues to get worse or whatever stays the same, then you have the ability to move on from there. Now, having said that, what I talked about earlier is what does that quarterback in waiting look like? And even if, even if you don't, you know, maybe aren't like totally, totally sold on, you know, some of the quarterbacks in the early rounds. I, I, I still think you should look into a QB in round two or round three and, you know, rely on Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni to help develop some of the characteristics in that quarterback. Because, you know, if you choose to move on from Jacoby Brissett and do the same thing with Brian Hoyer, all of a sudden you're looking at like Chad Kelly as the only long-term answer or, you know, I, I guess I should say long-term option rather than answer. And, you know, he, I think, is a restricted free agent moving forward. So you really have no security on this team at quarterback past 2020 if you indeed move on, you know, from Bursette and Hoyer to save that money, um, which I would be fine with, to be honest with you. I, I would draft a quarterback in the second or third round. That guy would be my backup. And, Chad Kelly, you can play the 53-man roster practice squad game with them. So that's definitely how I would um, how I would try and go about things here in the next month and a half. When you see the Philip Rivers signing, and from all indications, I guess it's a Frank Reich-driven move, Kevin. So what does that say to you? Just we, we we both watched all the games here. I know a lot of listeners all did as well, but it seemed at points that Frank Reich was really coaching away from Jacoby Brissett at some points, like the heavy run game. A couple times when Jacoby said missed some errant throws, you would not see him throw the ball a lot of the rest of that game. It seems like processing and that those type of traits really matter for Frank Reich, and you get a relationship with Frank Reich, like like a uh, Philip Rivers, Kevin. It seems like those type of traits and what we saw last year. I think the 2018 version of the Colts offense might return more. Yeah, I think you are. Um, I think you're spot on there in that um, Frank Reich felt a little hindered um, to a degree with with the playbook and. Um, you know, and, and I should say playbook and personnel as well. You know, I, I don't want to act like this is some Jacoby Brissett roast, although I, I've made it clear that I don't think he's a top 20 quarterback in this league, like they said so many times throughout the previous off seasons. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think at times there was a little bit of kind of handcuffness 
and what Frank Reich felt like he could use. Um, and I think that's what they look at with, with Rivers of, you know, expecting him to be, you know, whatever, a top 10 quarterback in the league, top five quarterback, expecting this passing offense to be a top 10 unit. That's probably a, a bit lofty. But if you can get out of the basement of the NFL, which is where you were from a ranking standpoint and so many key metrics next uh, last season, if you can do that next season, then all of a sudden you're going to become a better football team because you already think that your defense should be a better unit as well. Um, so I think it's tapping into just a little bit more consistent accuracy. It's tapping into some of the yards after catch opportunities. It's allowing some of your playmakers just to, you know, make a few 50-50 balls. Now, do you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry? No. So you're going to have to address some things, and that will be something that I think is a fair question on just how much of an upgrade Rivers is here in Indianapolis. But, um, you know, behind this offensive line, they obviously feel like there will be improvements from what they had. And, you know, to be honest with you, you know, that, that I think is a step in the right direction of, you know, it kind of reminds me back of 2017 when Ballard believed at that point that Ryan Grigson had drafted the right offensive lineman in terms of some potential long-term answers. And he quickly found out in that 2017 season that was not the case. Well, you know, here in 2019, the belief in Jacoby Brissett was there. Jacoby did not play that well, and they're kind of moving on from that mistake. So I think that is just so key for personnel people of you're going to hit some absolute home runs, and Chris Bowden and Frank Reich have done that at various points, but you're also going to screw up a lot of things. And the biggest thing is making sure that you, you know, bounce back from that, move on from that when you need to, and go into a different direction, and clearly they are doing that. When you look at just the guys in the offense who would be impacted by Philip Rivers the most, I look to guys like Paris Campbell and Naeem Hines. I know Paris Campbell was hurt a lot last year, Kevin, but I think he was underutilized even when he was on the field at a point. It's a Tennessee game where he easily ran by Logan Ryan. I think it was a special trait in Campbell's game that should be utilized more often. Naeem Hines, I think, could be Austin Eckler 2.0 with Philip Rivers. Do you feel like those guys, maybe any other more that makes sense to you as far as getting a boost here from Rivers' arrival? Yeah, you know, I, I think Campbell is probably the one that comes to mind the most. I think Naeem Hines as well. You know, it's always been interesting to see the usage for Hines. At times, it's been a bit head-scratching. I think back to last year, uh, 2018 season, you know, when they made that playoff run, Hines was barely getting on the field late in the year. Um, so I think Hines and Campbell, when you talk yards after catch, those are the two guys that certainly come to mind. You know, I just think a higher percentage throws to even Jack Doyle, considering how much Rivers has used the tight end. And we'll see what else the Colts do this offseason with the tight end position. Um, you know, I am curious to see what the Colts do with a bigger-bodied wideout. You know, that is something that I feel like Rivers has had, you know, even dating back to kind of Vincent Jackson a little bit further back in the day with the Chargers. And then obviously, the you know, Mike Williams, you know, from a frame standpoint, it's not like crazy, crazy eye-popping, but he, he plays really big and led the league in receiving last year from a yards per catch standpoint. So um, that guy isn't really in the Colts room right now. So I think you've got to go out and, you know, if you can bring back Devin Funches or, you know, maybe it's something that you look to, you know, more so during, during the draft. Um, I, I think that is key because I don't want to overlook just the premier really skill talent that Rivers played with from a pass catching standpoint with the Chargers. The Colts don't have that. And when you look at Rivers right now, 
your offensive line has got to be damn good, and your skill guys, your pass catchers, have got to make some 50-50 plays and do things after the catch to really make Rivers um, be the quarterback that you think. He, he's going to create some of those opportunities, but you've got to you know, take advantage of those opportunities and make kind of balls that look a little iffy, turn them into some big plays like Mike Williams did last year for them. Yeah, Mike Williams, 6'4", 215. Devin Funches as well as 6'4", 220. It seems like that makes an awful lot of sense. They want that big body, Kevin, to re-sign Funches on their prove-it deal on a one-year. Any others? I mean, I I keep thinking if it's not Funches, Nelson Aguilar makes sense from the connection with with Bro and Frank Reich. But if it's not Funches, I feel like the draft makes an awful lot of sense with how they're building this defense out, Kevin. The draft, I feel like, is going to be very, very heavily offensive at this point. Yeah, and I still want to make sure that you tap into free agency just a little bit at at wideout. I know it hasn't been a – it's been a terrible run, to be honest with you, um, at the receiver um, spot for the Colts here over the past, you know, six or seven years. But um, I still think you need to throw another body into that room and then come back in the draft and do that as well. You know, taking trade out of the equation, you know, a wideout, a quarterback, a left tackle, a tight end, um, you know, maybe a corner as well. I mean, going down or just maybe a, another defensive back in general, that's kind of how I look look at the draft a little bit. Um, as we sit here right now, you know, about a month out, um, obviously Ballard's going to look towards defensive line. You know, he's never going to rule out trenches either, but that's kind of how I would try and operate things um, from a draft need standpoint. Kevin, I'd be remiss not to ask you about this. Tom Brady is in Tampa Bay now. Who would have thought we'd say that this time a year ago or even a month ago? That's such a ram spot to me with Tom Brady in Tampa with Bruce Arians. But that's one quarterback lead in the AFC, and we've also seen other teams make some moves in the AFC as well. Houston trade with DeAndre Hopkins, which is a head-scratching move. Bill O'Brien is still doing some confusing stuff down in Houston. You've seen the Titans have some guys leave too as well, Jack Conklin. Do you, do you feel like the Colts making these aggressive moves like Buckner and then Phillip Rivers – it had, they have to believe that that window is opening even more. I mean, you have Kansas City, of course, Patrick Mahomes, and you have Lamar Jackson, but now you just added a guy to Forrest Buckner who could be like a, a chaos wrecker for guys like Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson. So they must feel like that window is opening even more in the AFC what's happening last week. Yeah, the beauty of the NFL is just that, that there's always so much parity, and, and year to year things can change in a hurry. Um, I still think Baltimore and Kansas City are in a class by themselves. Um, and then in that next group, I, I would throw the Colts. I think it's a very wide open group, though. I would throw Buffalo into that mix. Um, I still put Tennessee in there. You know, I know Jarrell Casey being traded away, but, you know, that's why they drafted Jeffrey Simmons where they drafted him. You know, they, they have a bit of a passing of the torch there. And um, for the most part, they bring back a large amount of their core um, on on both sides of the ball. And you look out west. Um, you know, I, I don't think Denver, Oakland's going to do too, too much. The Chargers have made some interesting moves, um, both for the good or bad. You know, you talk to their fan base, they'll act like there's no drop-off from Phillip Rivers to a Tyrod Taylor, and they had a ton of injuries last year. So if they get a little healthier, you know, who knows what, what that looks like. But, but that second tier to me of, you know, Buffalo, the Colts, Tennessee, uh, you know, even Houston, may, maybe the Chargers, um, I'm trying to think of who else. AFC North, no one really comes to mind. You know, who knows what, what um, Roethlisberger is going to do for Pittsburgh. But if he comes back and plays pretty well, you've got to throw them into the mix there as well. So, yeah, I, I, I think in a way it's almost a little bit like this season was, at least on paper, of, OK, 
okay. Baltimore and Kansas City, for the most part, they were the most consistent football teams, I think, over the 16 game. You know, I, I think we felt like New England had some chinks in the armor. Um, and now they're obviously going to be thrown into kind of that second tier, whatever they end up doing at quarterback as well. So I sit here right now. I think the Colts are capable of, of making the playoffs. Um, want to see how the next couple of weeks plays out, not only within their own team, but, you know, the other teams in the AFC and obviously the draft just to see exactly what that looks like. But I think un- undoubtedly the Colts are a better football team than they were on, uh, on Monday morning. Last question I have for you, Kevin. Appreciate the time as always. What do you think is next for Jacoby Brissett here? Obviously, signed Philip Rivers to a one-year contract. He's not going to be the starter next year. That Jacoby, that is. Adam Schefter tweeted out 30 minutes ago that the QBs are currently a trading blocker, Andy Dalton and Cam Newton. No mention of Jacoby Brissett, but that shouldn't be surprising how tight-lipped the Colts front office is right now. What do you expect on the Jacoby Brissett front? Do you think he's going to be a trade ship? I mean, I imagine they're going to shop him, but I wonder if teams are going to bite on that contract until maybe after that bonus is paid. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's something I wrote on 175thefan.com of, you know, again, getting a team to bite on that contract, knowing when the bonus is coming on Sunday. Uh, I, I I can't see that happening. I don't know. Maybe you can convince some desperate team. Um, now there are quarterback needy teams out there, you know, obviously New England. You know, what about a backup in Pittsburgh, a backup in New Orleans maybe if Taysom Hill, you know, is still that gadget guy. Um, you know, Jacksonville, you know, they could need – Another quarterback right now with Gardner Minshew and without Nick Foles. I think Denver, if I'm not mistaken, just uh, just released Joe um, Joe Flacco as well. So yeah, I, I think there are some landing spots a lot really in the AFC. But I would think cutting him and then allowing him to pick his new home that might be the best or the easiest or maybe even the most likely option. I still haven't ruled out the Colts holding on to him, and I know that might sound outrageous to some fans. Um, but, you know, maybe that is an option that, that, that they look at. You know, the draft would dictate a lot of things. Personally, I wouldn't want to be adding a cap savings hit of whatever, a cap at a 21-something million for a backup quarterback. But as I said earlier, the long-term security at quarterback, there's not a lot of answers here in Indianapolis. Now you're going to have to convince Percep next spring to hang around a little bit longer, but, you know, at – it's just something not to totally, totally rule out. Um, I think the most likely option is probably cutting him, you know, taking on, you know, some of that cap, but also saving a little bit as well. And then having your backup um, be, uh, you know, one of those rookie draft picks that I would like to see happen into the, into the second or third round. But I, again, I'll be very curious just to see how all of that plays out because, you know, it would be quite, quite the change in direction to be going from, you know, believing, and Jacoby Brissett, you know, whatever, five months ago to all of a sudden cutting him, you know, here in the springtime. But that's the reality of the business. And honestly, from a cap-saving standpoint and what you could get in the draft, I think that would be the smartest move. You guys can follow Kevin on Twitter at KBowen1070. Read his work over on 1070 to the fan. And also subscribe to his podcast, Kevin's Corner. Appreciate the time and help me recap these fireworks, Kevin. Yeah, Evan, I uh, hope everyone can stay stay safe out there during this crazy, crazy time. and. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, provide a little bit of break with some uh, with some Colts news.